In our next episode of The Verge, I'm handing the mic over to Emily Carlson, Vice President of Technology at Divergent, to kick off a very special segment on women in technology. Emily has led clients through a variety of projects, ranging from enterprise architecture and security initiatives to the deployment of Tobias, Divergent's first AI chatbot, which she created in 2019. Emily has over 20 years of experience in the information technology field, and in 2021, Emily was named one of Consulting Magazine's Women Leaders in Technology. So with that, Emily, welcome to The Verge. And I'm excited to take over the Verge podcast to bring you a special series on women in technology. And I'm thrilled to introduce Claire Bonacci, Senior Director, U.S. Health and Life Sciences at Microsoft. Claire, thank you for joining me. Of course, I'm so excited to be here. This is my favorite topic. (laughs) (laughs) Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Microsoft? Sure. So I'm currently a Senior Director at Microsoft for the U.S. Health and Life Sciences Industry Team. So I really just try to bridge the gap between what's happening in the industry, specifically around pharma and life sciences and Microsoft and technology solutions in general. So I've been here around over two years, um, but prior to Microsoft, I was at a large global pharmaceutical company focused on clinical trials. And then in my spare time, I really like to focus on, you know, volunteering for women in STEM programs, mentoring, um, and honestly, just kind of, you know, being part of the women in STEM movement in general. Great. And I think you have a podcast too, right? I do. Yes, I will plug that as well. Um, so I also am the host and co-producer of the Confessions of Health Geeks podcast for Microsoft. Uh, you can find us on the Health Podcast Network or on my LinkedIn. So thanks for letting me do that. Awesome. <laughs> Anything to, to drive continued conversations and topics. That's great. Um, yeah, on our special series, you know, I'm really trying to in really it's in starting in January of 2021, um, really um, started to see the trend of women in technology, um, you know, continue downward. Uh, I feel like, you know, really during the pandemic, a lot of women had to make serious decisions about whether they keep working or they have to, you know, move to just more supporting um, and being that full-time mom role or caretaker role. And so our, our, our numbers within the tech field really kind of continue to, to have a downward spiral. So um, I've been leading a, a women in, in technology series um, and they've allowed me to, to take over the verge and continue that discussion. Um, so, you know, I would love to start it with mentorship Um you know, I think that mentorship uh, really comes in different, you know, flavors and sizes from just quick 15 minutes, you know, bounce ideas to a fully committed um, mentorship program. So um, for yourself, have you have you had a mentor in your career? Yes, I've had so many mentors. I mean, I am a proponent of having as many as you can. And really, I think it's better to have kind of that diverse perspective of mentorship, like having people, you know, not just not just women in leadership as mentors, but different men in, in leadership positions or just people that are even your peers. They can mentor you, too. I, I think it's really important to kind of have a complete diverse perspective when you have a mentor in general. Yeah, I, I agree. Um and it's funny because I remember the first time I realized that I needed a mentor. I was like in my early 20s and I was doing my first large um, 
pharmaceutical rollout. And uh, this woman walked into the room and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to be her when I grow up. So how do I make that happen? <laughs> I, I still think that. Like, honestly, I meet so many amazing women and I'm like, okay, I need to talk to her. I need to figure out the journey she went to get there and, and what I can do or what I can learn from her. I think that's so helpful. Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, no one person has the same journey. You know, exactly. it's, it's really important. And I think, you know, so I have a young daughter um, and I think it's important to kind of show, you know, the, the reins is for mentorship, you know, starting in, in high school. Um, what, what are types of some types of programs that you help to, to lead and participate in for the the younger female generation. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them are local. So I'm located in Seattle, Washington. So obviously, we are kind of a, a very tech centric location. But um, when it comes to just the women in STEM programs, it kind of ranges from uh, even like middle school ages and seeing, you know, how can they get involved in STEM related projects. There's one through Seattle University that I'm part of every summer. And then um, even through just kind of one-on-one -on -one mentorship opportunities. So I participate also in just having like 15 minute conversations with women in high school that are considering a field in STEM, but you know, they only really see an option of, oh, you're in a lab or you get your PhD. Like what else can you do with an opportunity or with a career in STEM? And I think a lot of women at that age, they just, you, you don't know, you don't know what's out there. And I think it's really important to get that diverse perspective and hear from multiple different people in different roles to understand you know, you can be in a healthcare job and you can be in a tech company and you can get a biochemistry degree and not go into a lab setting. So there's just so many different routes you can take. It's all about kind of learning what would be best for you. Yeah, that's great. Um, any resources that you can think of in particular that uh, we can guide people towards to, to take a look at what maybe locally even is yeah, available? I definitely, I have a few links I can send them to you and then we can put them at the bottom of the podcast. But yeah, there's definitely, there's always um, quite a few in the Seattle area for sure. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. Um, one thing also I've been thinking a lot about is reverse mentorship. You know, I, a lot of people think of it at the mentorship relationship as older to younger, but I think there's so much that the younger generation can teach um, the older gens into a tech company. So what are your thoughts on reverse mentorship? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I love it. Um, and I'm, I'm probably saying that because I'm on the younger side. And so <laughs> it's so nice to like have my voice heard. Uh, and I think in my experience in particular, you know, I joined a team at Microsoft of very, very seasoned people. Um, and they're very, very experienced. You know, they've been in the industry for more than 30 years. And, and I'm joining with, you know, five or so years under my belt and, and really understanding that they still wanted to hear my perspective. They wanted to hear what I thought in my opinions. Um, and not even just on different topics, but on how I would approach problems or how I would, you know, approach a, a different situation with a team or a conflict. They were really interested in how I was coming about it versus, you know, some of their approaches because they've been in the industry for 30 years and do, they're doing things and, and doing processes in a way that, you know, maybe they learned 15 or 20 years ago. And it's very interesting for them to kind of hear from my perspective. So I think it's great to have that as a formal program, but also kind of even in an informal program of just having a really diverse team and having kind of a cross-generational team and learning from each other. So I've loved it. I think it's definitely very, very important for any team to have that. Yeah, I think so too. I think it gets missed a lot. I think it's, you know, a kind of that missed opportunity. Um, 
I know I, I hired a, a recent, recently hired a developer and right out of college and brought just such a different, fresh perspective to the way that we ran even just our development tools and our development program um, here and the way that we go about product development. So I think that really was almost like this aha moment of, oh my gosh, I'm learning so much from him because when I went to school for development, you know, that was a bit ago. Yeah, no, I feel like it's just so helpful, especially as like Gen Z is entering the workforce. Like we can't come at them from a place of hostility. Like they have so much to gain from learning from us, but then also they just have so much to offer. And we, we might as well try to learn from everyone. Yeah, yeah. I think that's part of culture, though, too. You know, I think that um, I think cultures are shifting, you know, and everybody's working remotely and there's just a, a different feel. Um, so I think part of it is making sure that organizational culture kind of adapts with the different mindsets as well. Yes, for sure. And I think that's that's definitely hard. I think the transition to being full virtual or even in this hybrid zone is still really, really hard for a lot of people, especially working moms, especially people that have you know, caregiving responsibilities. So it's really, I think it's, it's still a bit of a struggle. Yeah, it sure is. Um, you know, and I think part of it's being empowered. So I think empowerment um, for female leaders and in, in tech is a big um, topic as well that should continue to be a- addressed. Um, what are some ways that you can think of that might help empower younger female leaders? You know, they, they want to use their voice, but they you know, they don't want to come across wrong or have some sort of negative connotation. So what are just some different ways that you help to empower some of the, the younger crew and your team? Yeah, well, honestly, I think I even still struggle with that. And, you know, kind of a big moment for me was probably a year or two years ago when I was first starting at this current job, really thinking, well, I don't want to come off as pushy. I don't want to come off as kind of this like bossy, you know, younger <laughs> woman that's just joining this team. And actually, one of my my colleagues, you know, mentioned to me, well, if if a man was doing the same thing and was coming about the problem the same way that you are, would you say that he's being really bossy or would you say that like, oh, he's super confident, like he knows what he wants. And then I kind of realized, well, she's right. Like, of course, I wouldn't think that he's being bossy, which is such a crazy thing to think. And so I really kind of had that empowerment, you know, kind of explained to me that this is only going to be negatively affecting me if I'm going into situations thinking, oh, I can't be assertive, like I can't be coming off as bossy. Like it's only going to be negatively affecting me, really. So, you know, knowing that I can be confident, I can say my opinion, I can be assertive, I can be listened to and really come off in a very strong way. Um, I think that kind of, one, just sets a great example for other people in different meetings or or even younger female leaders who are listening, but then also just being able to, um, you know, share the stories like we're talking today and have women hear that hear these stories and kind of see us in those leadership positions. I think, um, you know, I've always heard that quote that, you know, if they can't see us, they can't be us. And I really think that's, just, that's so crucial. If women aren't seeing other women in STEM positions and leadership, leadership positions, being really empowered to use their voice, they're not going to feel like they can do that themselves. So I almost feel like it's just, you know, us doing more of it and people seeing that and really realizing that, yeah, you know, we can do that too. It's not going to be detrimental to us. We're not going to be seen as bossy. I love that. Um, that that's amazing. I, and I think that, you know, it is so difficult sometimes to have those conversations. You know, it's... Um, 
I, I don't addressing the problem head on, you know, so in in the way that when somebody confronts you because they feel like you've come across as bossy, being empowered and having that empowerment to say, no, I, you know, this is my opinion. I'm sticking to my guns. Um, have you ever been in a difficult conversation like that and had to maneuver your way through? Yes, I definitely have. And full disclosure, like the first time it happened to me, I did the total opposite approach. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't mean to come off that way. I didn't mean it. And then I kind of took a step back afterwards. And I realized, like, why did I do that? Like, why did I say it like that? And then, you know, when another opportunity kind of came about in a very similar situation, I had a very clear understanding of what I wanted to say and what I how I wanted to say it of really you know, I, I had these reasons for coming across the way I did or for saying the things I said. Um, here's my rationale or here's kind of the concrete facts, being very objective, not letting me myself get emotional or make it personal and really just kind of being an ally one to myself, but then to all the people that this has happened to. Or if you see that happen in a meeting, which I've definitely um, that's happened to me a few times, being able to speak up and say, hey, well, well, what do they think? Or no, I think you might have misunderstood how they were saying it or what they were saying. Really, I think, you know, when people have done that for me, I've been so grateful. So I think it's, it's definitely it's just kind of paying it forward and being able to do that for others as well. Yeah, no, that's, that's great advice. Absolutely. Um, I know I've had uh, situations where I've even had to, you know, use the little raise my hand button in teams because I can't get a word in edgewise. So I've also uh, recently taken, you know, the step of confronting the, the group, you know, and not confrontational in a bad way, but you know, voices need to be to be heard, and everybody should be at a, a level playing field to have a um, you know, to have a voice at the table. Um, so I, you know, I think confronting those situations and being empowered to really feel like you can you can raise your voice. And to your point, setting an example for everybody else who's who's in the room of you know making sure that they they see that because once they see it, they also will help to replicate that behavior. Yeah, no, that's so true. And I think honestly, like no one wants to be the squeaky wheel. But when you see someone else being the squeaky wheel, you kind of feel a little bit better about you doing it next time or, you know, backing them up and saying, yeah, you're right. Like we shouldn't have done that or we should have listened to such and such. So it's it's always hard being the first person to to bring up an issue. I totally get that. (laughs) It it is. It's uncomfortable, right? It's uh, it's. You know, and you, you want to think that nobody is doing it with any malintent, but then it's like, ah, you know, what do I do? <laughs> exactly, yeah, it's always a little awkward, um, but I feel like you just got to kind of fight through the awkwardness. And I think that almost it makes it a little easier being virtual, because if it is awkward, you know, you're, you're still at home. You can go to retreat to your bed for a quick nap. Yeah, it's not as bad. <laughs> Or a Hallmark Christmas movie, like we just discussed. Exactly. I know. I'm all about, you know, having fun in the holidays, too. Taking some extra time to be with family. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and I think these conversations lend to also networking opportunities as well, right? So, you know, just like we kind of had an opportunity to meet and expanding and using our voices. Um, I, I think just the opportunity for networking across um, different platforms and across different organizations. So um, what are some of your uh, thoughts? You know, because as you're younger, um, it can be really, I think, daunting to try to figure out how do I build that um how do I build that network? You know, where, where do I go? Where do I go to find like-minded people where I, you know, I feel 
I, I, I get that mentoring. I get, you know, I get that sense of empowerment. So um, what are some of the networking um, opportunities you've taken advantage of in your career and any advice for others? Yeah, well, honestly, I know it's weird right now since we're still in this kind of weird virtual world where things are sometimes in person, sometimes hybrid. But I would just say try to pick one or two organizations that are specific to your area um, that are in-person events or hopefully in-person events in the future that are mainly networking focused and, and just go to one or two events per month. So when I first graduated college, I went to uh, the Young Professionals of Seattle group. Um, so right out of college, I was going to these probably three times a month because I needed a job. Um, and I went to every single event. And honestly, I made zero solid connections that helped me get a job. But that really, I mean, it was it was the wrong group to join. I should have joined something that was more biotech or biochemistry focused, but instead I joined a kind of a business group. Um, but those connections that I made actually then helped me get my second job. So really, you know, they didn't help me in my first job, but it taught me how to network. It taught me how to be in kind of a large group of people and be able to kind of navigate and, and kind of make friends and make those networking connections and then stay in touch with them. So um, you know, when I find an article that I know someone's interested in, I still send it to them. I still send them an email or send them a text saying, hey, I think you'd be interested in this. You know, you might find it kind of cool or send it to your network. Um, and it really, it just puts me at the forefront of their mind, despite the fact that I haven't talked to them in probably, you know, three or four years. But uh, just knowing that you can have this kind of broad network and then have a smaller network within that of people that are more specific to, you know, your niche area or your career. Obviously, mine is more technology and healthcare, but having that broader network where if I need a real estate agent, I know multiple real estate agents from this group, or if I need a lawyer, I know multiple lawyers. So even having kind of this big network and then the smaller network within has been really, really helpful. And it's honestly, it's never too early to start building that network. I say do it even while you're in college or high school, um, but definitely after college, very, very important. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, I think, you know, as often, you know, when you're also younger, you, you know, you kind of lack that confidence. And I think networking groups help to, to build that um, and help you to kind of branch out out of that. Just I think we all have that inherent comfort zone that we don't want to branch out of. Um, and I love the fact that you, you know, stayed local to the local community because the roots that you build there just can be amazing throughout your, your whole career. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, there's so many virtual communities now. I think, you know, obviously social media, you can find so many just via Facebook groups, but um, definitely I, it's funny, even a lot of my friends have found groups through Reddit and they have local kind of groups that then they can, you know, actually network with or their technology groups that then they can have happy hours with. So it's kind of just about being creative and, and finding that and then getting over that hurdle of confidence of, okay, I have to show up in person and try to talk to, you know, a bunch of strangers, which is hard no matter what age you are, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And I think too, um, you know, being a, a female leader in the tech space, sometimes when you walk into the room, there is, tends to be, you know, far more, uh, you know, males or um, versus female. So just, you know, again, from that confidence perspective, knowing that, you know, you can use your voice and branch out in a networking event just as much as, you know, anybody um, and really use it to your advantage of, of um, you know, helping to, to build that empowerment and just that feeling of, of um, you know, community that I think we have in the tech space. Exactly. And, and really, I mean, I think the confidence piece is really, really difficult to get over. But 
once you, once you have that, and once you've had a few successful networking events under your belt, you feel good. Like you feel you can go in in a, a room full of people that you don't know, and you could make connections. You can make some great network, networking connections and and get it done. So I feel like it really is just doing it a few times, and the, and practice makes perfect, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one thing too, in thinking about how things are evolving and changing in in technology, it's not just about gender equity and inclusion, you know, in in the day to day, but also in the way even like AI is is being <laughs> developed and making sure that you know the AI doesn't have some sort of um, you know in in inequality built into it as there as setting that up. So how do you think uh, we can help avoid that? How do you think we bring the, you know, the, the female voice into the AI space? Well, honestly, I think a lot of it kind of goes back to what I mentioned earlier about, you know, if, if they can't see us, they can't be us. And, and really, they shouldn't be building anything uh, without us. So I think more women want are kind of needed in STEM for this exact reason. Um, and as more women move up in STEM as role models, as they have, you know, move up in middle management and upper management, I think it, it's a little bit easier because honestly, they're the ones that are going to be making decisions um, and they're going to be making decisions with themselves and the other women in their lives in mind. So uh, obviously this is not a quick fix, but I do think that to get more women to the table, really, we just need to have more women that are being promoted to middle management that are making those decisions in technology companies or about AI or, or machine learning um, and actually being able to build that technology with that gender inequality in mind or any kind of bias, really. It can be you know racial bias. It can be gender bias. It can be anything. And, and having kind of a diverse group of people that are in those business decision-making positions, I think that's kind of like the sweet spot of, of fixing the problem. But I totally understand it. It's, it's a work in progress, like anything. Um, currently, it's just, it's hard to get to that stage. But I think, you know, it's a cyclical process of really trying to get more women involved in STEM, see that more women are in middle management or in kind of the decision making abilities and positions. And then that will encourage more younger women to get in STEM. So hopefully that continues. Yeah, I think some of that ties into um, as well, some of like the, the outreach that organizations in um you know, changing the way even hiring practices, you know, you may not have the the perfect candidate, um, but you have a great candidate. And, you know, maybe even um, adjusting, you know, responsibilities to help promote the the right, you know, people into roles. So getting even even looking at outreach and, and onboarding and just overall, you know, how we are um, bringing new talent in and then looking at how do we how do we promote and and train and and um really uh guide up the the younger generation as they come in exactly and, and realistically i mean you can always train skill i think that's something that definitely my generation and younger generations are realizing is we can learn things we can learn how to do different processes in a company what you can't really train train is character. So if you're hiring for character, if you're hiring for kind of the personality and the culture fit, you know, you're going to be able to figure out how to train this person. So I think that's so important that I definitely feel like hiring practices should be and are moving to that direction a little bit more. Yeah, that's great. You're you're absolutely straight on with that. Um, and we're almost out of time. But before we do wrap up, I just wanted to ask you one question. Uh, you know, I, I think it's it's fun sometimes to hear um, if you could go if you could give um, kind of one word of advice for the younger generation moving into the STEM career field. 
would it be? Yeah, well, this is probably going to sound so cliche, but I would say be loud. Um, and I feel like that includes like listening really loudly, being really confident when you're speaking, when you're talking to people, when you're in these situations of trying to make a decision with a large team. Um, and, you know, just just be out there. Have your voice heard. Have your stance heard and your opinion heard. And, you know, everything else should follow after that. So although it's very cliche, that has worked for me. And I feel like that's worked for so many women. So that's my piece of advice. But I, I mean, I'd love to hear yours as well. Mine is authentic. So I think all too often uh, we try to change who we are from a personality, a, a, a posture, whatever it may, um, whatever it may be to fit within a room. Um, I know, you know, as as you know, emotions change. People try to you know change who they are to you know fit fit in. Um, and I think it's really easy when you first start uh, in your career, especially if you are the only female at the table, to change who who you are to to better blend in. Um, and I think you're doing yourself a great disservice because to your point, be loud, use your voice, you know, tell, tell your story continuously um, so that uh, the trajectory changes, not, not you as a person. Exactly. I love that. I love that piece of advice. I feel like you still need to be reminded of that even, you know, later on in your career too. <laughs> oh yeah. A hundred percent. Well, Claire, thank you for being uh, my guest today on The Verge. I appreciate you helping me uh, take over for this very special series. Um, I really appreciate it. Any any last words? Uh, anything more about your podcast you'd like to share? No, I don't think so. I mean, I'm so happy that I got to be part of this. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing what else happens with Divergent. So thank you so much. That's so great. Well, thank you so much, Claire. Have a good day. Thanks. You too.